Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to a very special episode of The Doctor's Watcher. Indeed. This is the Holiday Celebrations podcast about every episode of Doctor Who. Well, we have our, our own holiday happening right now. I don't know if that was the holiday that you were referencing, but... <laughs> Um, I, I'll let you say it, Kyle. You tell tell the listeners what I'm talking about. It's true. Today, listeners, is in fact the 100th episode mess. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the, the most important holiday, really. Indeed. Um, this is the 100th episode of The Doctor's Watcher. Not the 100th episode of Doctor Who that we've done. It's true. We have done a few... Yeah, a few bonus episodes. Yeah, so it is the 100th episode of just the podcast. Right, um, which, yeah, so. I guess that makes it the the 97th episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> I actually... Also I, worth celebrating. <laughs> uh-huh. I asked Google how many episodes of Doctor Who there are, and it said 862, which Jeez. I believe includes... The movie and various specials. So uh, that means that after this episode, we will have completed 11.25% of Doctor Who. Huh. That's more than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. We're more than <laughs> more than 10% of the way there. I mean, the fact that we've been doing this for years and we're only 10% <laughs> of the way there. Um, but, I mean, the, the fact that we're still on the first Doctor, I think, and that there are yeah. 13 Doctors. For, I guess it depends on how you count it. Um, but well, I think the first yeah. four Doctors, I believe, are, like, are the most the most prolific. Yeah, I know the first two so. especially are, are, like, miles ahead of some of the others. I know there are some yeah. that's, like, you know, there's, there's one that's one movie <laughs> and a couple uh-huh. that are just a few like i know christopher eccleston only had like a one short season so. yeah 10 or 12 or something like that so yeah yeah at some point we're gonna be flying through them <laughs> uh, if we ever make it that far we'll see <laughs> but but yeah looking back on 100 episodes of this dang show um Kyle, what what comes to mind when you think about our journey so far? You know, one thing I was thinking about just the other day or maybe earlier today was about how when we first started, we were recording in person generally. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that didn't last too long just due to timing and world events. Yes, uh, world events especially. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then like in the time that we have been doing the podcast, like we both bought houses and moved. Yeah. Yeah. Like this wasn't, this wasn't intentionally our pandemic baby because we did start before (laughs) all that happened. Uh Um, but, but I think that possibly one of the reasons that it lasted as long as it did, um, was because we had time, <laughs> didn't have a whole lot else going on during the pandemic. And it also was a, a good opportunity for us to see each other on a regular basis and hang out. Yeah, for sure. Um, even if it meant talking about Dr. Who. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, like it's, it's been, you know, a few years, I guess we started in what, 2019. So it's been a few years, but I think that 
kind of because of the pandemic, it doesn't really feel like it has been as long as it actually has. Just yeah, because when you time said has been we weird. Up, sorry. Yeah, when you said that we were coming up on the 100th episode, I, I, I did have a moment where I kind of had to step back and be like, oh boy, we've been doing this a while. That's <laughs> a lot of time and effort that we've put into this podcast. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I, I have been grateful for, for the opportunity to see you on a regular basis because I'm not very good at, at like, you know, scheduling things. And it's hard, especially yeah, I'm not trying to do things in person. Um, like, uh, you know, y- y'all are kind of further away now um, than when we began. So it's a, a, mm-hmm. a little harder, to, you know, not impossible, um, but a little harder to see you in person. So seeing you over uh, Discord and, and doing a Doctor Watcher is, is, especially, you know, with all the pandemic stuff has been really good. Yeah, for sure. We did get to see each other in person just last night, though, and that was a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, I hope you're not sick of me yet. <laughs> Kyle and I went to, to a board game night that uh, some of our friends hosted, and that was a lot of fun. For the, the board game heads out there, we played Machi Koro and Wingspan. Um, I had never played Wingspan before, but I'd heard a lot of good things, so that was really interesting. Yeah, it was my first time playing Wingspan as well. It was not my first time playing Machi Koro, but I think it might have been my first time winning Machi Koro. <laughs> uh, very important <laughs> fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I've played Machi Koro with you actually before. Before Probably, last night, yeah, I think we have played it together. One of the other significant things about last night is like, oh boy, we stayed out kind of late, and it was <laughs> past midnight by the yeah. time I I made it to bed, which never happens. Like <laughs> I I am a sleepy boy. Um, and Kyle can attest that my, my ability to form coherent sentences takes a no, <laughs> nosedive around like 7.30 p.m. Um, and just gets worse from there. So. <laughs> and I think listeners of our podcast know that my, my ability to sort of string words together and think of the, the right expression is already not the best. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see how this goes. I should tell our listeners, if I'm going to mention that I won Mashi Koro, I should also say that I came in last in Wingspan. <laughs> uh, well, I was next to last, so <laughs> I was in good company. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, to, to bring it back to Doctor Who and the Doctor's Watcher, I, I wanted to kind of take this opportunity to, to pause and reflect a bit on our journey and talk about some of my favorite things about the podcast and my favorite things that we've done. Um, looking back... I I did quite enjoy the uh, the holiday specials and the um, April Fool special that we did, even though they are kind of cringe. <laughs> um, whatever, it's fine. We're cringe, but we're free. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, yeah, and they were I, a lot of fun to do. I always enjoy the um, the ship names that we come up with people. I was thinking, well, what's my favorite bit? That might be. One of my favorite bits, <laughs> and the fact that I know that it annoys one at least one of our listeners, and uh, if you're listening, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> the fact that I know <laughs> that that's annoying to at least one of you. Somehow, I don't know. Maybe this says a lot about me as a person, but that makes it almost more, more, more hilarious to me. Sorry, and they Sorry. continue to listen anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we we appreciate you. We do appreciate that. <laughs> all, all listeners, but then, you know, the, the one listener I'm speaking to in particular. <laughs> uh-huh. What are your favorite bits, Kyle? 
Oh, favorite bits. That's a tough question because all of our bits are so good. There you go. That's the best <laughs> answer. <laughs> you know, the, the bit that I am most often like trying to remind myself about when I'm, when I'm writing my notes and like uh-huh. wishing that I remembered more and put more jokes of in is basically the bit about how the whole show is just a D&D game or a <laughs> insert RPG here game. You feel like we don't make enough references to that because uh, <laughs> I feel like that's our whole show. <laughs> that's all we make references to. You know, if you don't write it in the, into the episode, I feel like I, I've got your back there. I'm going to make the reference. Yeah, I think that's probably probably the bit that I come back to the most. Yeah, yeah. The, the one that I always kind of forget to make references to but I quite enjoy is, is Coco. The, oh, the various yeah, characters yeah. drinking cocoa and making cocoa for each other. I hearkening hark, back to the Aztecs, uh-huh. um, it's uh, yeah one of my favorite recurring bits. Yeah, also hearkening back to Aztecs, I'm glad that Docatecture continues yes. to be an ongoing ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I still haven't watched a whole lot of the the modern Doctor Who, but if we ever do. Um, I mean, you you watch them, right, Kyle? You, can you confirm whether Docatecture is still going strong? Uh, as far as I can tell, yeah, I think it is. Oh, good, <laughs> good. Well, I'm sure it's it remains in the Doctor's heart, uh-huh. even if it's not as as much like you know uh, a primary ship on the show. I'm sure it's still in the subtext. Indeed. Well, cool. Well, shall we get to it? Yeah, we uh, we we can't just rest on our laurels. We must move ever <laughs> forward. Let's talk about season three, episode, what is this, 16? 16. Season three, episode 16. The Feast of Stephen... Yeah. Which, which is the seventh episode of the Daleks Master Plan serial. Indeed. Which reminds me, what were the Coronas of the Sun? Did we ever establish that? You know, I don't think we did. <laughs> I think that might have been one of the episode titles that doesn't come into play. Cool name. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, well, we'll see whether or not Stephen gets a feast in this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. So this episode was actually written by Terry Nation. I know we had Dennis Spooner last time, but we're back to Terry again. I, I, I can't keep track of who's doing what and how many episodes and <laughs> what, what you said originally in terms of the, the ratio of which episodes different people did. Uh-huh. So um, I am starting to suspect it's going to be a long serial. <laughs> yeah. I I believe the serial is half and half in terms of authorship. Yeah, given how many Terry Nations we've had and how few Dennis Spinners again, that, that's part of the reason I think it's going to be a long one. Uh-huh. And the fact that it's a Terry Nation one, those tend to be long. So I watched the loose canon introduction to this serial. I think I mentioned on an earlier episode that there's like an intro and interview and stuff. So Kyle, again, is this you telling us how you watched it? <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. I It's another reconstructed episode. Uh-huh. 
And yeah, I thought I would go ahead and watch the intro to the whole serial that Loose Cannon put together. It was pretty interesting. It's mostly just kind of like a brief history of the serial itself in terms of production and writership and stuff. It mm. did have spoilers in it for sure. So I would not recommend watching it until we're done with the serial, which is a little bit odd since it's the introduction to the serial. But <laughs> Well, I mean, it's also a, a show that's like, I don't know, what is this, 50, 60 years old? Like, yeah, I, I feel like at some point... Although, who knows, maybe once enough time has passed, <laughs> it, spoilers become spoilers again because become now yeah. clearly nobody's seen it. <laughs> but one thing that I learned from it was that this serial was actually originally conceived of as being half as long as it actually is. <laughs> I believe it. But apparently the mother-in-law of a BBC executive thought that Doctor Who should have more Daleks in it. And so they basically like doubled the length of the serial. And then I guess like Terry Nation wrote half of it and then like wrote outlines for the rest. And Dennis Spooner like did the actual script based on Terry Nation's outlines. Yeah. I think last time when we had Dennis Spooner, then you said based on an idea by or based on an outline by or something. Yeah. I don't remember what the official on-screen title was, but yeah, something like that. Yeah. Cool. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. Oh, and the other other thing I wanted to mention before we get to Cliff Dingler, which may become relevant over the course of this episode, is that the original air date for this episode was the 25th of December in 1965. You did say holiday episode. <laughs> well, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, so you mentioned a cliff dangler, Kyle? Indeed. Do you recall what that was? Um, I do sort of recall. So we are back in the TARDIS now, um, and our, our heroes have the the terracite i think it's called uh terranium terranium oh man i'm I'm (laughs) anyway we have the terranium um and uh we're we're trying to get away from the daleks and we're on a planet and we're just about to leave the tardis when the doctor stopped stephen and sarah and warned them that uh, the atmosphere, I believe, is poisonous. It's somehow dangerous. Yeah. I think it was just poisonous. The, yeah. The, you know, the old classic. <laughs> so we basically, we review that scene where that all happens and the doctor warns them of the poisonous atmosphere. And then we cut to the outside and it's basically like a town in England Oh, interesting. The poisonous atmosphere is just air pollution. Oh, huh. <laughs> I guess that's one way to resolve that cliff dangler. Uh-huh. A little, little disappointing, <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> so two police constables are arriving back at their station. They're singing Christmas carols in their car, and a third police officer who's already back at the station is wondering like what's up with this new police box that's outside so is this like contemporary england then 
Yeah, I think it's meant 1960s to be sixties. Nineteen sixties. It's probably meant to be like the day this episode aired. What? You can look outside, folks, <laughs> see the doctor. Uh huh. So he basically assigns the other two constables to stick around and just like keep an eye on this police box. Meanwhile, inside the TARDIS, Stephen is upset that the doctor is going to go outside to fix the scanner, but Stephen doesn't get to. And the doctor explains that in both Stephen's and Sarah Kingdom's times, the atmosphere is pure, but here... There is the worst kind of pollution I've met in years. Stephen and Sarah are both from the future, and it's good to know people get pollution <laughs> under control. Uh-huh. The doctor's going to be fine because he's used to all sorts of atmospheres, apparently. So he tells them that they should only come outside if something happens to him. And he well, tells... Well, doctor, way, way to ensure that something's <laughs> going to happen to you. Uh-huh. He tells Stephen to close the TARDIS door after him, and he heads out. So we cut to the outside, where the doctor pops out of the TARDIS... He exchanges greetings with the constable who's right there, like, watching over the TARDIS. And then he just turns around and heads back into the TARDIS. <laughs> the constable calls the other constable over and tells him that the door opened and that there's a man with long white hair inside. And the but other one says, Father Christmas? <laughs> they do actually make that joke later. Oh, dang it. I, was, <laughs> I jumped the gun. <laughs> they try the door, but it's locked. Inside the TARDIS, the doctor is telling Sarah and Stephen about what's going on outside. His plan is to head back out, and he's going to distract the cops. And Stephen should, like, wait a few minutes and then just go fix the scanner. Okay, uh... I, I love that the scanner is just something on the outside of the TARDIS. Uh -huh. And even though the TARDIS looks like a police box, I'm picturing that, you know, you just slide aside a panel and and there's some sort of gadget in there. Well, we'll see what it actually ends up being. It's probably if like... We, if we see it. <laughs> when when Jordy like, pops open the top of Data's head. Yes, exactly. There's just, like, a bunch of wires and buttons and lights, lights and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So Stephen's like, you know, I thought you said this air was like super polluted and shit. And the doctor's like, yeah, whatever. Just go fix the scanner in a few minutes. Hold your breath, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Outside the TARDIS, the doctor gets stopped like basically immediately by the two constables. It wouldn't be Father Christmas, would it? All right, that is a fair cop. Ah, there it is. <laughs> He gets taken into the station where there's a guy complaining to the cops about the rebels moving his greenhouse. Mm -hmm. The actor who's playing this guy apparently previously played the clothing seller in the crusade. Oh, interesting. Do you think and, it's a callback? Well, the doctor actually notices this. Haven't I seen your face before somewhere? Hmm? Where? <laughs> Yes, of course, I remember now, yes. The marketplace of Jaffa. Oh, oh. 
So, so all these people who happen to look like <laughs> other characters that the doctor has run into, it's now uh-huh. canonical <laughs> that that resemblance <laughs> is something that exists in universe and can be remarked upon. <laughs> uh huh. They just like I haven't haven't noticed that Sarah Kingdom looks like Princess Joanna, but or or that Stephen looks like Alabama Man. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> So Stephen waits, you know, for a few minutes, like the doctor said, and then he rolls a stealth check and he's able to slip out of the TARDIS and he hides behind a nearby police car without the constable who's still guarding the TARDIS noticing. I'm not sure the the constable's police car would be the first thing I would uh, go hide behind <laughs> if I'm trying to hide from the constable. But yeah. maybe maybe the the closer you are to danger, the further you are from harm, as they they say in the Lord of the Rings. Who is that, Mary or Pippin? I think one of them. The closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. Maybe the map is set up so like. You know, there's a few different places you can hide that you have to, like, sneak from one to the next and stuff. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're, you should probably only hide behind the police car for, like, a moment before you move on to the next hiding spot. So the doctor is getting questioned. He's, like, inside the station. He learns that this is Christmas Day. He tells the cops that he's... Citizen of the universe. And the gentleman to who? I enjoy that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what the cops make of that. <laughs> uh-huh. Stephen does like wait until the nearby constable, you know, resumes his guard path and walks on to his next post. And once the constable's gone, Stephen notices that there's a spare police uniform in the back seat of the police car that he's hiding behind. Sure. Uh, all all police officers keep spare uniforms <laughs> in their back seats. Uh huh. It's in case they spill a little soup on themselves <laughs> while they're drinking. <laughs> so yeah, he just like opens the door. Apparently, it wasn't locked or anything. Back at the station, the clothing seller's descendant is still complaining to the sergeant about his missing greenhouse. When Stephen wanders in in his new costume. And the sergeant takes him to be the new bloke from J Division. Come to help us out. That's that's handy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like that that's the game master like throwing the players a bone. Like, <laughs> uh, they would normally notice if they've never seen you around before. But hey, uh-huh. it's your lucky day. They happen to have a new person who's supposed to show up. The GM is like, you know. It was really hard to get this game scheduled. I really appreciate you all like taking some time on Christmas Day to play with me. So we're just going to make it like a pretty fun and chill game. And the player's like, well, you put the police uniform in the backseat of the car. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> so, you know, Stephen, of course, rolls with it. And he also says that he's here about the old man that was brought in a few minutes ago. But the sergeant makes him wait until the doctor's done being questioned. The doctor is telling the inspector that the object outside isn't a police box. It is a machine for investigating time and relative dimensions in space. (laughs) I I, I love how there's 
absolutely no prime directive. The doctor can just like <laughs> tell anyone he wants. It's uh-huh. fine. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The cops, like, I guess I would say that they think that the doctor is not quite in touch with reality. Mm-hmm. Is, is the nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Sarah Kingdom heads out of the TARDIS to check on the doctor and Stephen. But, of course, she finds a constable guarding the TARDIS instead. I guess he didn't see her come out because he notices her and thinks that she, like, just arrived here and is now loitering. He tries to get her to move along, but she says that she can't. She needs to fix the scanner eye. I I like how it's a scanner eye. Uh Uh-huh. That's sort of a, I don't know, some kind of... Nostalgic, classic vibe to it. Yeah. He basically just, like, keeps trying to to get her to leave, basically. You see, uh, we don't like people hanging around. But at Christmas time, we have to be lenient, and we don't want to make it too difficult for you. So, do I have to leave? <laughs> it kind of sounds like you're saying I don't actually have to leave. <laughs> uh-huh. She eventually agrees to leave, and... The constable tells her to have a have a have a swing in time. And okay, she walks <laughs> away, thinking about what must have happened to the other two. The idiots—they've obviously got themselves into some kind of trouble. Uh, you're a companion now, Sarah. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the party. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, the two idiots get reunited in the station after the doctor's done questioning or getting questioned. And Stephen claims to the to the cops that G Division is familiar with this old man. They know how to handle him. And, you know, he rolls a bluff check. It goes well. He takes the doctor outside where the two of them head for the TARDIS just in time to spot a constable hassling Sarah. I don't know what it is about that police box. But first of all, the old bloke comes out. But now I catch this last climbing about on it. I, I enjoy lass. Yeah. It's a term that people can just use, like, as part of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a brief struggle, but the three party members do all manage to get into the TARDIS, which dematerializes as the constables watch. <laughs> Hey folks, isn't this a good podcast? If you like what you hear, let us know. You can do that on social media or by email or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Another thing you can do if you like this show is let your friends know. Word of mouth is the best way for us to get new listeners. And now, back to the show. There's... A brief scene in the TARDIS control room where they remind us that they have the Terranium and the Daleks have time machine technology and could follow them, but the Daleks probably don't know yet 
that they, the Daleks have fake Terranium and our party members kept the real stuff. I guess that paper mache duplicate was very convincing. <laughs> uh-huh. The doctor wants to try to destroy the real Terranium before the Daleks catch up with them. But this is about as far as they get in their planning before the TARDIS lands. They, you know, check the the scanners and readouts and whatnot, and it seems like they're still on Earth, although apparently the atmosphere is much better. It just occurred to me that it's interesting that they think that the Daleks haven't noticed yet, given that, like... They traveled through time, and the Daleks are in <laughs> the future, I guess. And uh-huh. how does... You know what? I think we're not supposed to think about it. <laughs> yeah, but somehow like we're all still on the same relative timeline. Well, it is the time and relative dimensions in space. That's true. The TARDIS. That's true. So Sarah did manage to fix the scanner earlier when she was climbing about all over the police box. Oh, we didn't get to see it. I mean, we definitely no. didn't get to see it because it's a uh, loose construction. <laughs> but. Yeah, that's true. On the scanner screen, they see images of like a barn or sawmill, basically. Hmm. And like a, a, a stable, perhaps? Um, There don't seem to be animals in it. Okay. They do hear a scream after a few moments. So they rush out of the TARDIS to see what's going on. And what's going on is that there's a woman being dragged toward a large circular saw. Oh, dang. (laughs) (laughs) So Stephen attacks the guy. Sarah frees the woman. And it ends up turning out that this is a film set in, like, early Hollywood. Uh, I'll be honest. When you said there's a a woman screaming and then, you know, we have this, like barn-like building i was like well what if what if it's a a woman giving birth because it's christmas eve like nope not quite all right here we go (laughs) (laughs) so it is a little bit hard to tell what happens next in the reconstruction and honestly the audio is not much help at this point either but what i think happens is that the director of the movie that's being filmed decides that he really liked Stephen and Sarah's performance and he wants to like sign them to the studio or whatever. <laughs> Amazing. So like, it's like you really thought she was in danger. That's <laughs> <method>. uh-huh. <laughs> They're basically like trying to run away. He senses people after them. And then we get like an old fashioned 1930s movie style title card saying, and so the hunt was on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're even more lighthearted than usual, given that it's the, the holiday special. Uh-huh. Stephen and the Doctor have apparently gotten separated from Sarah as they're running about. They pass Charlie Chaplin in the hallway, and, and then they head through a door. Oh, cool. Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a brief title card saying, meanwhile, in the Sheik's tent. And then we cut to another nearby set, which is a bedroom scene being filmed with some Middle Eastern-looking characters in, you know, a Sheik's tent sort of setting. 
Sure. I mean, I, I guess we're in the 30s, so it's yeah even even more or or less, you know, whatever than the 60s, which was still anyway. We're in the 30s. <laughs> All right, Sheik's tent. Here we go. And the director of this scene gets super annoyed when the director of the previous scene like bursts into the set looking for Stephen and Sarah. He eventually leaves, but meanwhile, Sarah is actually now wandering around on this set, and the director sees her, and he tells his assistants to send her to wardrobe, but she basically just, like, hides in a chest instead. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> we get a Meanwhile in the Wardrobe Department title card. And it turns out that the wardrobe department is the door that Stephen and the doctor went through. <laughs> Classic. Uh-huh. The two of them get separated when the doctor heads out to look for Sarah. He tells Stephen to, like, wait here, basically. Stephen is still in the police uniform, and he ends up getting mistaken for an actor in, like, a Keystone Cops movie that's being filmed. I feel like we're, we're, we're one step up from a Keystone Cops movie ourselves here. Uh-huh, we'll get ready to take about. a step down. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> because a couple of the other cops in the movie start chasing him, and we get what might be my favorite loose cannon moment that I've seen, which is there's just like a static view of the hallway, and then at the end of the hallway, there's like the cartoon moment of like Steven running across the hall, chased by two cops. And it's in, you know, like Terry Gilliam style animation. What? And <laughs> of, you know, just like cutouts, like static cutouts of the characters kind of like oh, that is delightful. bouncing across the hallway. And then they're like off camera while we hear... Steven like yelling about put me down put me down and then they like run back in the other direction and the two cops are carrying Steven and well done, then they're Bruce like cannon. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah it was great I loved it they're off camera on the other side of the hallway and apparently they film a car chase and a car crash which we just hear the sounds of and then like Steven apparently escapes and runs away from them <laughs> that's fun there's another meanwhile back in the sheik's tent title card and the woman actor in this scene thinks that the guy who plays the sheik is terrible and she's right he's <laughs> like you know i will i will assume that it's like you know a regular decent actor acting poorly that's always rather fun. than yeah. Um, yeah, the doctor wanders onto the set. He gets mistaken basically immediately for the expert on Arabian customs that the director of this movie has been waiting for. Well, that's that's encouraging that they bothered to hire uh -huh. one of those. <laughs> Not surprising that it would be an old white man, but hey. <laughs> right. <laughs> The doctor, of course, just goes with it. He even, like, says a couple words in Arabic. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's probably spent like a significant <laughs> amount of time there throughout yeah. various points in history. <laughs> probably more than the director of this movie has, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. The director explains to him that this is a rich sheik's tent and this woman is an Arabian princess. And the doctor basically tells her to go put some clothes on. And then he basically, I guess he rolled like really well on an investigation check or something because he just like walks right up to the chest that Sarah Kingdom is hiding in and like opens it and finds her. Well, I mean... Again, if this is an RPG, you have to open every chest you see. Yeah. There's a lot of shouting as the doctor, like, collects Sarah, basically, and the two of them start heading back to the wardrobe room. But then we get a title card saying, but what has happened to Stephen? <laughs> I love it. And the answer to that question is that Stephen ditched the police jacket and reunited with Sarah and the doctor. Okay, I mean, they <laughs> wrapped up that loose end about as quickly as they wrap up the Cliff Danglers. <laughs> uh-huh. They all agree to GTFO. The doctor kind of makes a racist comment about Arabians, and uh, they all okay. start heading toward the TARDIS. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The title cards tell us that, meanwhile... All was not well at the old barn. And the old barn, of course, being the set where the TARDIS is landed. Mm -hmm. The leading actress of that movie is upset because the director liked Sarah and Steven so much. So she thinks that he doesn't like her anymore. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Incidentally, she's played by Sheila Dunn who was married to Douglas Camfield, who directed this whole serial. Huh, okay. Well, I'm, uh... When you first said she's played by it, I was like, ooh, what previous character did she <laughs> play on the show? But all right, uh, that's still uh -huh. interesting. Uh, I guess a little uh, factoid there for you. Well, I, I think, if I remember right from her TARDIS data core page, that she might play a few future characters. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure entirely on the merits of her own talent. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure the fact that they're all in serials that Doug directed is, is unrelated. <laughs> so the in-story director of this movie that's being filmed manages to calm her down, and they start getting set up for another take when... Stephen and Sarah both fail their stealth roles, and the director spots them heading back to the TARDIS. So he shouts for them to be stopped, and the title cards say, The chase was on. Again. Uh-huh. Stephen and Sarah run through all the various different movie sets, while the doctor just kind of like chats with a comedian who's hanging out near the TARDIS. This comedian is upset that he can't really do any good physical comedy gags in his set because Charlie Chaplin has already done all of them. He's been thinking about like giving it all up and taking up singing instead, but he's worried that no one will be interested in a singer named Bing Crosby. <laughs> 
I had a feeling it was going to be something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen and Sarah get back to the TARDIS and the two of them and the doctor all head inside and the TARDIS dematerializes. The film studio basically devolves into chaos and confusion as one director marvels at the amazing effect that just happened and the other director like laments the loss of Professor Webster, who's the Arabian expert that he thought the doctor was. But then the real Professor Webster shows up and the title card says, and they lived happily ever after, and we cut back into the TARDIS control room. Oh, well, that was some wacky shenanigans, Kyle. <laughs> uh-huh. Sarah and Stephen are basically wondering, like, what the fuck was going on there. They don't really realize or understand that it was a 1930s movie studio. Yeah, do they have movie is, studios in their times? Yeah, like several hundred years in either of their pasts. Yeah. The doctor brings some drinks out on a tray and gives one to Sarah and Stephen, you know, gives one to each of them. And he reminds them that it was Christmas Day at the police station that they were at, like before all this nonsense. Hey, it's Christmas Day somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> Enjoy your eggnog. Well, we so rarely get a chance to celebrate, but this time we must. Aw, that's sweet of him. Yeah. He wishes a happy Christmas to the two of them, and they return it. And then the doctor turns directly to the camera and raises his glass and says, Incidentally, Christmas to all of you at home. <laughs> wow. The doctor knows we're watching. Uh-huh. That's cute. And yeah, as he takes a drink, the words next episode volcano appear on screen. You know, I was wondering if this would be totally just a filler episode, and yep, (laughs) it sure was. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, and what I read is that that was entirely intentional because they basically figured, like, probably not many people are going to be watching Doctor Who on Christmas Day, and this is back in the era where, like, if you missed it, you just missed it. Mm -hmm. So they intentionally decided to like write an episode that had basically nothing to do with the ongoing story. (laughs) And then I think another part of it was also that the people who are watching on Christmas day probably don't want to see like heavy Dalek shit. Yeah. Well, that was cute. I liked the bit at the end where the doctor wishes us a happy Christmas. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, And what we saw in the loose cannon reconstruction for that moment was, as far as I could tell, a photograph of a TV screen showing that moment. Oh, interesting. So, like, we actually see the doctor 
and, you know, it's a static image, but we see him like looking directly at the camera with his glass raised and everything. So someone was like, wow, the doctor's wishing me a happy Christmas. Click. Uh-huh. He takes a picture. That's cute. I, I enjoy that. Overall, kind of a throwaway episode, but intentionally so, I guess. So Yeah. That's, that's and interesting. Fun that it just happened to be happened to coincide with our hundredth episode yeah we're celebrating uh-huh it's like the doctor's wishing us a happy hundredth episode <laughs> <laughs> incidentally cool. a happy hundredth episode to all of you at home that's right listeners that's the doctor wishing you a happy happy hundredth doctor's watcher thanks for uh sticking with us indeed hopefully you can stick with us for 762 more Actually, more than that, because they're still making Doctor Who. Listeners, I I don't know if we've got 762 more in us, (laughs) but we'll see. All right, well, did you have anything else you wanted to share with the listeners before we move on to recording our second episode for the day? Um, I don't think so. I think that was it. All right, cool. Well, we'll uh, say our usual bit. Let's see. Um... Thank you to Circuit23 for the music he made for us. You can find his album Mens Vermis on Bandcamp. And you can find his other music on SoundCloud. And there's links in the show notes. Um, And you can always email him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And also... Thank you for doing the first pass edit and the QA listen. And thank you to all of you for uh, listening to me, listening to Kyle talking about Doctor Who. And thank you, Kyle, for doing the watches of the show, writing up the notes, hosting the show, and doing the, um, what, what, what do we call it? The ad sounds and clips uh, Yeah, something like that. Second edit is... And the uploading and the uploading of the actual show to the actual like you know internet. Thank you. Oh, and thank you for writing up the episode descriptions for each of our episodes. Um, Yeah, when I can think of stuff. Uh, listeners, you can always email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and you can reach us on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you like our show, please share, rate, and review, um, especially on Apple Podcasts, and tell a friend. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. They pass Charlie Chaplin in the hallway, and and then they head through a door. Like, when you say they pass Charlie Chaplin, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, at first I was like, what is that? (laughs) No, that was like 30 years before when this was filmed. All right, please go ahead. (laughs) Here, let me me add a different reaction to it. Oh, cool. Charlie (laughs) Chaplin. (laughs)